podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Foot Weekly podcast. It's a gameplay pod. We're going to talk about goalkeeper movement, one-on-ones, stepovers, ways to improve at defending, the various game plans of a 28-2 and two player, when you should actually be changing your tactics. I'm your host, Ben, and you'll hear all that and more on this week's Foot Weekly podcast, brought to you by our supporters. Hello, and welcome to week 12. It is a gameplay pod as I'm sure you are already aware before we get into it just wanted to say thanks to our guests who I'm about to introduce for coming along because it has been arranged at especially short notice as people in the UK will be very aware plans have had to change around Christmas and as a result the Christmas quiz will be next week and a regular pod this week so I did manage to pull in the foot coach Steve Stokes thank you very much for coming along and hello Hi, Ben. Yeah, I'm experiencing slight separation anxiety with Japes not being here, but I'm going to fight through it. Yeah, very strange doing it at a different time without Japes as well. And that's okay, though, because in the content pod we did for supporters just earlier, I think our next guest did carry us through it. It is esports commentator and man who knows a lot about foot, Richard Buckley. Great to have you back after a few weeks out, Rich. How are we doing? And thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking some gameplay, mm. especially from the... Uh, I've seen a few of the questions and I feel as I can give a little bit more insight because I've been watching the pros for the last couple of weekends as well. I had a South American event in which the best players from Brazil, Argentina and the South American region competed and then also got to see the best from Europe only last weekend. So I can give you mm. a little bit of advice on what the pros are doing as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting actually. Following on from the theme, which I think is maybe uh, could be a new Foot Weekly tradition at Christmas of having a supporter on the pod, which we did for the content one because we had uh, Soviet Neil talking about uh, SBC crafting. I thought it'd be nice to get a regular on the Icon Roundtable, but someone who uh, certainly mastered FIFA 21 gameplay. It's Hugh, aka Huber. Welcome to the proper Foot Weekly pod. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on. And one of the things I think is quite fascinating about about you know you hitting say 28 wins in weekend league and what was it missing out on top 200 by like two points or something ridiculous yeah i think so <laughs> yeah crazy so is that you actually started playing foot properly last year it's fair to say yeah so i had doubled in foot a, briefly um a couple of times you know in the past years just watched my squad builder showdowns you know i, I knew how sbc's <laughs> worked but um i only really started playing foot seriously around uh road to the final last year few weeks later, I think maybe a week or two later, joined Patreon and the Discord and kind of been an upward trajectory since then. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is it's entirely down to joining the Patreon and that if people join the Patreon, they'll also get two points off top 200. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, yeah, if you're yeah. not on the Discord, you might not be seeing my my tactics, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. regarded uh, tactician. We can talk a bit about that for sure, because the tactics you've been playing while it's not like, funny enough, Neil, who we just had on, who's playing sort of a crazy 3-4-2-1, you know, ultra-attacking type situation. But you certainly don't play, you know, the 4-2-3-1, for example, or at least, you know, not most of the time. So we can talk about that. But let's start by, as we often do, just going through some questions which people have had around gameplay. I think the first thing that I wanted to bring up, because it's something that I've been thinking about myself recently and I don't feel like I use enough. John Roddy, who's actually a new uh, member of the Discord, in fact, so thanks for the question. Um, he says, what are your personal guidelines for bringing out the keeper? 
as it pertains to defending. I'm pretty aggressive with both goalkeeper movement and coming out, and I find it bites me in the ass sometimes, but can really turn certain situations into scoring chances on the break and just you know generally disrupting the opponent um, and keeping them on their toes. And I think it's an interesting point. It's certainly something that I always think, oh, I should look into what I'm doing around goalkeeping, particularly bringing the keeper out. I do tend to move to the far post this year because I think that's where people tend to shoot, but that can sometimes leave me caught out. Rich, you've been watching a lot of um, pro uh, activity, I suppose, uh, of late. Is there anything that you particularly noticed around that in terms of of movement and uh, bringing the keeper out and things like that? Not really, no. And I mean, I don't almost want to say if you're getting in the scenario, if you're in that scenario where your opponent is one-on-one with your goalkeeper, something's gone wrong before that. Mm. Like, very rarely will, unless you're getting sort of counter-attacked on and your opponent's hit a long through ball over the top, very rarely am I ever sort of one-on-one goalkeeper against attacker. A lot of the time, I've got a player potentially coming across. I can might be able to crowd him out, look for a, a block of some sort or try and get a bodies around the ball. I think in terms of your goalkeeper movement, it's it's really uh, we said this on the last pod. I seem to remember you want to move him because I don't know what it is, but if you move your goalkeeper, there seems to be more error on the shot. I'm not sure if that's mm. meant to be a thing. I'm sure you you've seen it as well, Steve. But there's many a time it's more often where if I move my keeper and my opponent shoots into the far post or shoots near post, it will sometimes just miss the target. So I would say. Move your keeper to tend to. If you're playing against a better player, they will wait for your goalkeeper movement. So you tend to go near post. If you're playing against a player who is a little bit more aggressive and, and rushes his shooting, I'd always move far post. But I would say it's one of those things that if you are, if you're one on one goalkeeper against attacker, you maybe want to be looking at your defending rather than your goalkeeper. In terms of bringing him out for uh, corners, I always move my right stick, sort of six yard box. Mm. towards the front of the box and that's what a lot of pro- pros will do as well front of the box sort of six yard box to stop that near post whip corner which is the best sort of most effective corner to take and nine times out of ten as soon as you move your goalkeeper your opponent will just play it short and they'll yeah. not even try and cross it into the box yeah I, I think that's a very good um summary i think yeah steve have you come upon anything that you find effective in terms of bringing the keeper out um because chips are quite effective i think that's the concern for me chips are effective yeah you've got to be careful i mean it's i you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't really because if you move your keeper and you concede the goal you're always going to be thinking have i conceded the goal because i moved the keeper <laughs> yeah what richard said is is excellent advice it was i, I felt like i was hearing my own words in somebody else's voice pretty much don't get yourself into those situations. That's that's the thing, really. It's, if if you're getting yourself exposed to where somebody can chip the keeper, people are getting in behind you too easily. It's if if you feel more confident bringing your keeper out, bring him out. If you mm. don't, don't. One thing I'd add on to this here is: does the keeper that you have affect that at all for you? Like, you know, if you've got someone who can come out really quickly, are you going to be doing that? Yeah. So I I think it the, the keeper I have doesn't necessarily impact the way that I will play in game, but I will choose my keeper potentially based on what if he, if he can do what I want him to do. So for example, having a, a keeper with decent speed, especially this year, decent height, um, you know, definitely helpful. You know, you'll sometimes even see a keeper save a ball with his hands on a chip. So 
I, I think that definitely the height is a, a factor. In general, when it comes to bringing the keeper out, what I'm doing most times is just trying to buy time. So if it brings the keeper out and it makes the opponent do a fake shot or a ball roll and something that allows my defender maybe get back and pressure the shot or take it away, you know, anything I can do, um, as, as the others have said, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to stop someone in a true one-on-one. But one, one tip I have found useful is that if the through ball is coming from your opponent's own half, um, sometimes it takes a few seconds for the camera to really catch up with the attacker with the ball. Like they'll be right at the edge of the screen and they can't see your keeper coming. So if the mm-hmm. if it's a long through ball and I know he's in when I have no chance of catching up, I'll usually send out the keeper immediately and just hope that maybe he gets there um, before the opponent has time to react to actually seeing him come out. And if it's outside the box and uh, this happened to me in weekend league when I was through on goal to make it, I think 2-1, um, as in, I would have made it two one and won the game. It was like in the closing minutes. The keeper, if they handle it outside the box, it actually doesn't count <laughs> as a handball because the handballs are off in the whole game. So I had a situation where the keeper just literally put their hand up, you know, like they would, kind of coming out in the in the penalty area, stopped my shot with his hand outside the box, um, prevented what would have been yeah two one win. I would say just the final point on that, Ben. If you if your opponent is through and they've hit a through ball down the line and say they ball roll the keeper or take it around the keeper mm. always run back with the defenders on the line especially yeah a lot of the times you'll be playing and you'll ball roll the keeper i've done it myself and i just i've just pressed circle and i don't even think about the shot that i'm actually taking and a lot of the times it gets cleared off the line yeah yeah because there'll be a defender back there someone will will clear it off the line someone will get anything on it so if you are defending that scenario, make sure you're always you're sprinting back with a defender, especially around the edge of the box where you're close to your own goal. Make sure that you you always try and get back on the line. And if you're using pacey defenders as well, you have better chance of clearing it off the line. Rich, if the commentating doesn't work out and you need a job coaching, come and see me, okay? <laughs> um, Rich, if people are doing that where they put their player on their line... What do you tend to do shooting-wise to counter that, I suppose? Because it, it can be quite tricky because blocks are so strong. Yeah, so I've had it numerous times, especially when I've been the shooter. And I got into a, a I wouldn't say a bad routine, but I'd always ball roll the keeper, finesse shot. And mm. over time, I was realising that the finesse shots, probably one out of ten will get included off the line. So now, whenever I ball roll the keeper, I just take one more touch, even if it's a tiny touch, just to settle it, and then I'll just power shot. Yeah, Even yeah. if it's on like an angle, I'll always just power shot. Mm. The the power shot, especially from right to left or left to right on your player's strong foot, so Werner on the right into the opposite corner into the left, will always go in. And just have a look where you de- where the defender is as well, because most of the time the defensive player will just automatically slide tackle on his own line and try mm. and block it. If they've slide tackled, just a little finesse, a little bit of power, just have that little bit more composure if you can in the final third. And if you are defending, honestly, it might sound ridiculous this, but if you've ran your player onto the line, switch off your player then. Because the AI is going to do a much better job at blocking that ball when it's coming towards him than mm. you are. Yeah, yeah. So I'll run onto the line, say with Rafael Varane, and then switch to another defender to try and press the ball to try and put pressure on the, the player. Mm. And then let the AI just be like, look, you take control of the line. If it blocks it, it blocks it. If it doesn't, we go again. Yeah, that makes sense. Hugh, in terms of beating the keeper yourself, I think it's always good to talk about these things from both perspectives. Um, have you got any particular tips for people? Is there anything you do um, in those situations? Most situations I panic 
Uh, and then um, I, I usually just go for a ball roll, which you know is is typically mm. pretty helpful. Um, important to remember that you generally want to ball roll towards the near post, ideally towards your player's stronger foot. So, like Richard was just saying, um, getting it uh, for a right-footed player onto his right foot, um, you know, especially helps because it can be a tighter angle. So, just helps for not fully missing the goal unless you have a five-star weak foot player. Uh, but generally, yeah, just uh, the ball roll is pretty simple. Um, stepovers this year have been a bit more helpful. Um, I know uh, Boris recently posted a video where he discussed that the most effective stepovers are where you do stepovers and then exit to the same side that you went with the right stick, if that makes sense, because it's a, a, a faster animation, so you keep your momentum a bit more. And I found that a bit more helpful sometimes than a ball roll, which is um, effective, but it's slower, which sometimes allow, allows the recovering defender to catch up. Yeah, and actually you've raised a good point that I wanted to move on to. And I think quite a lot of people will have noticed this. Um, I think we've mentioned it on the pod before, but that Boris tutorial really does break it down very well. And Rich, as someone who's following pro uh, FIFA closely, you'll know all about this. But uh, stepovers this year are just massively, massively helpful for for holding the ball, for getting round players and, and shifting, I guess, shifting your position on the pitch without too much risk of the ball getting exposed. Yeah, it, it's just the, we always have the, the OP, OP skill move in, in a FIFA. Mm. A couple of years ago, the La Croqueta, last year it was a drag back, this year it's a step over. And it, it's just something that I think we're going to have to adapt or, or sort of, I think you might fall behind, especially at the top, top level. I've watched a number of events um, since really Anders discovered the meta, mm. most effective tactic available. That's um, what meta is, if you, if you were wondering. And it's it's just simply you can shift the ball, but you also protect the ball. Mm. So as you're exiting the step over, it allows you to step uh, move into the animation to take a shot or to do another skill move, but also you're shielding the ball from the defender. So you always want to ball roll not ball roll, you want to step over most effectively coming sort of vertically up the pitch into the box. So you're going, if you imagine your, your right stick's going up and then to the left, if you're attacking the left side of the goal, the the left half of the pitch, on the right, you're doing it the exact opposite way. And you, you step over in exiting into the box or you step over exiting into the man almost. And nine times out of 10, you're going to shield the ball and you'll get a shot away. It's just an animation that does work this year, like I said, yeah, the Boras tutorial breaks it down really well. Just watch Anders' stream mm. on Twitch, and you'll see it done forty times a half. Like mm. it's every single attack is built around the step over, and there's a reason that he's the best FIFA player on the planet right now. Mm. Yeah, for those who don't know, he's a fourteen-year-old kid who's uh, burst onto the scene. Well, I mean, I think he's been known for a little while, right? But yeah. he certainly kind of rose to prominence uh, this FIFA because his got this ridiculous unbeaten run um, and has been using the step over a lot and actually do go watch the tutorial because we can't really explain it as well on a podcast of course as it's explained in a video one of those things that i think they tried to patch but i don't think the patch has done much you i mean you'll be facing players doing this a lot did you notice any difference when the patch came out do you think they might like look to patch it more yeah so i believe what they patched was the speed at which after you do the input it goes into the animation Um, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that is what the patch Mm. was so i think the idea was that it would be harder to chain them together whereas if you if you did a step over 
in the past, then you could immediately just go into another step over with no delay. Mm. But now because there's a bit of delay between the input and the animation, if you do it once, then when you go to do it again, you kind of have to keep dribbling normally for half a second. Right. Yeah. So I don't think it's nerfed them if you know when to use them. For example, if you're in the box, you do a quick step over to the side and you shoot, then you've probably taken the shot before the defenders even reacted. But if you're trying to do a full pitch Leo Messi skill run, then you probably can't just do step overs the whole way. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree it's probably not enough of a, of a nerf. It's certainly still, I would say, the best skill move to use by far, especially because of how simple it is and how many players can do it. But yeah, I, I would say it, it probably needs another nerf, but I guess we'll see. I'm not sure how much more they can really do. The reason that it's faster mm. to exit to the same side that you start the step over is because the player takes the touch, the final touch with the inside of his foot rather than the outside. You'll notice if you do it the opposite way, the outside of the foot touch kind of does a little hop step and slows down the momentum a lot, whereas you can do um, the inside of the foot touch while basically running full speed. Yeah, yeah. no, thanks for that. That's a really good explanation of it, actually. Um, we should take a break there, though. We're going to be back in just a moment to talk about defending and when to change up your tactics. See you in a second. In this break, I've been looking forward to telling you about a sponsor. It's fair to say they're innovative in the world of men's shaving and grooming. I did need to think about this because, well, it's not somewhere I'd usually shave, perhaps only for special occasions. And when I have, I've found it awkward and uncomfortable, but not with the German precision-engineered blades I was sent to shave with. That's right, thanks to Harry's, my face has never felt smoother and less irritated. It seems to me that the founders Jeff and Andy have achieved their goal of making high quality products for a fair price. They've done that by taking less profit and setting up their own factory. What you get in their set also highlights this. You'll not only get five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, but also a weighted ergonomic handle, rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. You can get all of that, incredibly, for just £3.95 for Foot Weekly listeners. So why not head over to harrys.com forward slash foot. So that's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com forward slash F-U-T. And with that, thanks to Harry's for sponsoring Foot Weekly. And let's get back into the pod. at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. So we had two similar questions in, the first being from Cordless Hawk, who compliments the defensive discussion we had last week, which is always good, and he wonders what things I think beyond the basics he can be doing to improve. And then Harry asking about defensive tactics in terms of balance, drop back, those sorts of things. He's kind of saying he feels like he's had better results playing aggressively, but feels like he's exposing himself by doing that to you know cheap goals. I suppose let's let's talk about this actually because it is interesting. I think Hugh, you play quite aggressively generally. You're obviously very you know good. You're getting great results in weekend league. I'm assuming part of the reason why say you're playing aggressively, Japes does, is because if you're playing a player who's weaker than yourself, then you tend to be able to you know. Dominate. Is there an argument that people should, if they notice the player is not so good, play more aggressively because that's going to get them better results? Yeah. So the general thought behind playing very aggressively in defense is that 
I think in FIFA, it's very much a game of mistakes. Most goals kind of come down to someone making a, a mistake rather than someone just being head and shoulders above the other, especially in weekend league where generally speaking, most of the players you face will be pretty good. So I think that by playing high pressure, high depth, you are trying to force them to make more mistakes than you make. Um, and, you know, as as you know from general football knowledge that, you know, it's it's better to make a mistake when you're attacking than when you're defending because making a mistake when you're attacking leads probably to nothing and a mistake when you're defending leads to conceding most of the time. So um, basically just trying to force the opponent into making those mistakes. And, um, you know, as Harry alluded to in his question that sometimes pressing high can lead to cheap goals, but um, that's kind of the risk you take. Um, A lot of the time I'm trying to bait the opponent into playing those high risk passes because I think that I can win those balls back. Um, So it's almost like I'm, I'm, I guess I'm embracing the risk that comes with it because it's going to lead to either him doing something like playing the ball out of bounds, playing it to my player, or ending probably in a shot. And generally, I think I could force the opponent into taking shots that aren't ideal. Um, so either way, it ends in me getting the ball back. And it's just kind of a numbers game of trying to outscore them from there. So yeah, I, I definitely agree that sometimes playing too aggressively, you open yourself up. And sometimes like things like drop back, you're, you know, you're not getting enough pressure. In that scenario, I would probably just suggest trying to control the defender closest to the ball more often. I know sometimes people playing on balance will just kind of let their their CDMs just kind of sit there and not get involved, in which case I would say and control those CDMs and bring them towards the ball, um, you know, kind of force them to to get involved. Um, you know, with press after possession loss, they press for seven seconds after losing the ball, but after that, they're basically just playing on balanced anyway. So it's it's basically the same system after the first seven seconds. Um, so mm. I don't think you're going to see a lot of difference in the way you defend with between those two systems unless you're relying on winning the ball back immediately after losing it. If you're not good at winning it immediately, then don't bother with press after possession loss because then you're just pulling your players out of position. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah, we talked a lot about aggressive defending on last week's pod. And I think is exactly one of those things. It's like, it's also one of those things, isn't it? That to learn how to do it almost you, it's like, you're going to cost yourself a lot of results trying to learn it. Mm. And you used to play a lot of career, right? Before you played foot and pressing the AI can actually be incredibly difficult. So do you, is, do you think that's might be partly why you, yeah. you can do it? Yeah. I played a lot of career mode and a lot of uh, online seasons, I guess it's called like the, you know, the oh, online yeah. games that are not related to foot. And I think the valuable thing that that let me do was, play games where I'm really trying to win, but there's no actual rewards or, you know, penalty to losing like weekend league. So it didn't Mm -hmm. really matter if I lost. So I was free to try, you know, wacky things and like out there formations and combinations and things like that. I guess one last thing to add is that I would probably stay away from pressure on heavy touch just because you don't necessarily know when that heavy touch will happen. And if you're not ready for Mm -hmm. it, your team's suddenly going to press up. And if you're, dragging one defender one way, like running backwards, and there's a heavy touch and your whole team shifts up to press the opponent. Now you're playing on like every attacker. So um, just something I'd be careful of. Some people use it if they need to go late because it kind of helps them press when they're not actively doing it. If they're 
if their team press meter is out, I guess you could say. But generally, mm-hmm. I would stay away from that. Either press after possession loss if you're good at winning it high, or balanced if you're not. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, Rich, anything to add on, on, I guess, defensive techniques or uh, tactics? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't mean to be the person who's going to uh, make everyone sweaty uh, and be the... <laughs> <laughs> the person that's gonna uh, One get hate, warrior. hate messages, but no, not necessarily depth. I commented <laughs> an event last FIFA, and depth was set to five. However, you could use your width on anything, and a lot of the time it's actually the width because you, people shots are, are pretty decent this year, and people can skill you, but uh, and getting behind you. But if your team's super narrow and really hard to sort of get through the middle. Um, it's very hard to like score, and I play, I play five depth, three width on my team. Um, in a four-two-three-one right now, and it's a complete sort of. It's I'm saving my coins. I've gone liquid, so it's I'm using like Rabio and um, Lucas Hernandez and like real sort of bog standard players. And I finished twenty and five this weekend. I didn't play further than gold one, and I was using those exact tactics, and I, I won a lot of games one-two-nil. Just sort of sitting like really narrow, almost like Mourinho esque. And then mm. I had Usman Dembele, Zaha, Fernando Torres base icon, and Antoine Griezmann as a front four, as a striker, Lamb, Ram, and Cam. And I had all four of those players on stay forward and literally just sat narrow and then just counterattacked on people. And a lot of the time, defensively, the 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 big area where you'll win the ball back is with your right stick player switching. If you can predict where your opponent's going to pass the ball and flick that right stick and get onto a man to nip in front of him or to get a, a tight block. What I mean by tight block is not a block that like you're five yards away and you're blocking it for a corner, but a tight block where you can rebound the ball back in the opposite direction and then start a counter-attack yourself. A lot of times that will be created through a right stick player switch. So right stick player switching is something that is, is very... It's, it's pretty dead last year, in all honesty, but this year it's better and if you can learn that, I think you will improve defensively, especially going from defender to defender, trying to intercept passes. That's a really good point because, you know, Calder Talk was asking about sort of techniques to improve maybe your defending to the next level or whatever. And I think that's something that is certainly a more advanced technique defensively. You know, on the pod, we talk about I mean, skill moves in attack and plenty of different options there. But things that people don't do in defense, which they do at sort of a higher level, that is definitely one. Like, you know, that anticipation of where someone's going to play the pass um you know not only that but i guess combining that with almost directing someone to play a pass towards a player that you know you can right stick switch to and move in front of is when you know you're playing against someone or i certainly know that i'm playing against someone who's you know at the top level when when you can kind of point people into doing stuff and then react and make the inception that really is like very very good defending and and is going to be something that players who are still good of course if you're gold or, or around there are going to struggle against and and is something you can try and add to your game um and actually isn't sort of you know super high risk compared to some things steve anything to add on defensive tactics or on uh defensive tips i suppose i want to go back to what you said about uh, the process of defending often being quite painful mm. or learning to defend aggressively or well yeah it's sort of evolving i guess you know the the, mm. the growing pains is, is what you're pointing at i suppose it it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, and and the way that I teach it in the uh, in the Foot Academy is to evolve gradually with it. So the 
that there is actually a sort of prescri prescribed pattern of, of how to get better at defending. The very basics, I mean, I start off with centre-back movements so that you know how to basically talk about the, what's called the line technique where you just ensure that your centre-back is always positioned between your goalkeeper and the attacker that has the ball. So that's that's the fundamental thing. From there, you move on to learning how to defend with your CDMs because people who are, particularly people who are new to the game, who aren't particularly great players, they don't want to be touching their centre-backs unless they have to until they're ready to take the next step and become a bit better. So the next step is, is to look at defending with the, with the defensive midfielders. From there, it's a case of learning to read the game. It's a case of learning to, to see your opponent's play style. Things like you talked about there, like baiting passes. The, the most common one is, I mean, it's, you'll see every pro player do this. It's, it's to bait a pass from the full back down the wing to the winger in front. You'll see that so often if you watch pro games. Now you know it and you look out for it. Every pro does it. So it's, it's stuff like that. And it's it's basically knowing how to read the game, um, putting yourself in your opponent's position and saying, what would I do if I was in this position? And looking to cut those passing lanes, looking to apply the pressure. And then it's a case of putting all three together. So if you approach it in the right way and you don't try and run before you can walk, it doesn't necessarily have to be painful. You can have that constant growth and still see your game improve. But if all of a sudden you see a pro tournament and decide, right, I'm going to start defending like Tex, yeah. you're in for a world of pain. A very good point. Um, very much worth remembering. And let us move on now to talking a little bit about tactics because, Hugh, you're someone who I think isn't unusual as such, but I suppose people do tend to stick with one particular approach if there's someone who's going for a, a top finish in weekend league. I think it's fair to say you're comfortable changing it up and you do try and use that to your advantage. It'd be interesting to know from you what tactics you are playing and when you would choose to change things up. So I have four fairly different tactics that I can still play in a, the style that I'm used to, so I'm not kind of going outside of my direct comfort zone, but I, I have different options based on what I'm facing. So I have a fairly defensive 4-2-3-1 that's really just for seeing out games against top opponents. I don't really enjoy playing it, but if I'm at the point where I really need a win and I want to see out a game, then you know I'll put it on for the last few minutes. Um, but otherwise, I, I typically uh, run Japes 4-3-3, second variation tactic, and then um, kind of alternate what I have as my my alternate tactic where the 4-3-3 isn't working. So I've tried uh, 4-4-2, recently uh, used a new 3-4-2-1 that I was having a lot of success with. Um, that was just a lot of fun. Um, but really, I just try to change up tactics based on what fits my best players and then kind of fill in the gaps from there. So if the issue I'm having with the 4-3-3 is that my wide players aren't getting very involved, that's why I wanted to do the 3-4-2-1 so that those wide forwards are um, you know, left forward, right forward instead of wingers makes them a little more involved. And then, you know, the four three two one is an option, but something I've tried in the past and didn't fully enjoy. So um, that was kind of really the only other option. So then you just kind of find ways to make things work. And I think it just makes it more entertaining um, having something completely different that you can change up because sometimes I think, mm -hmm. especially in weekend league, when people are used to facing four two three one and four four two, then unless you're a really good player, you can't just beat everyone with the same tactic because 
at some point someone's going to know how to stop it so you have to have something else you can switch to that's substantially different enough that they can't just play against you in the same way making them have to make a change but without going so far outside your comfort zone that you don't know what you're doing yeah now how do you deal with that you know in terms of in a game like there's particular things you're seeing that make you switch i guess you know you sort of touched on it there but also do you pick certain times of the game if you were to switch up your tactic because i think something we mentioned a week or so ago was or maybe even last week that sometimes in changing your tactic you can kind of expose yourself because of the movement of players around the pitch and that kind of stuff when you change yeah um it basically just depends on how the game is going um typically anytime i have a goal kick i'm gonna look at the radar um because basically at at the time of a goal kick every player is in their default position so you'll pretty clearly see what formation your opponent is running at least you know, by default, they might have different players getting in behind or moving around, but at least what the formation is. Um, and usually I have a good idea then of what I want to do. I basically always know if they're playing 4-4-2 or 4-1-2-1-2, the narrow formation, um, that I'm going to go with the 4-3-3 just because it's solid in the middle and allows me to dominate possession through the center. You know, and that that's gotten me success against pro players even. Um, so it's pretty much, I, I know exactly what I'm doing in that scenario. If it's anything other than that, um, I might have to take some time to just see how things go, see how I'm playing if I'm creating good chances. Um, and sometimes you just have to be honest with yourself. Maybe you're unluckily and you're you know two nil down, even though you're playing pretty well and you don't really need to change formation. But you know people get frustrated, they change formation, and now they're three four nil down. Mm. So I think just recognizing if you're creating chances and whether their goals are coming from you know well created chances or just because they're good at skill moves and they're running through your defense, in which case the tactic you're using probably isn't that important. It's more just about creating your own chances. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rich, where do, you, where do you stand on this, you know, on that kind of thing? I, I suppose when you're watching pro players play, they do tend to have you know their specific systems that they operate. We've had Marcus Gomes on the pod a few times and he's someone who does tend to change things as well as he he plays because you know he has a couple of different systems that he, he uses would you say that that's true, that at the top level people tend to stick to tactics or are there particular things you've noticed, like certain matchups that go on tactically that um, are worth noting that people might want to try themselves? I think a lot of pro players are reluctant slash sort of naive to change for the simple fact that the last qualifier, the European qualifier, the players that we were commentating on had won nine out of ten matches against other pro players playing in their particular way whether that be a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 or I mean those are typically two most used formations so it's almost unless you have got a coach with you or you can see something really obvious that your opponent's doing and you think you sometimes players will switch into a narrow and it'll Mm. be to to try and really sort of overload players but for the most part it's I'm not playing good enough and I need to play better if I play at my best the, the mindset a lot for a lot of pros is if I play at my best, I can beat this player. Mm. If I don't play at my best, he beats me. And it is such small margins as well that it's almost you don't want to change. If if I'm in a 4 2 3 one in a in a semi-final of a tournament and I think, you know what, I, I feel as though I might be able to play a, a 4-3-3 here and I change into a 4-3-3 and then lose 5-0, I'm going straight and saying, well, I changed formation. That is, is an excuse. You want to limit the amount of change if that makes sense you want to have it as a fairer matchup as possible if you've got two unbelievable FIFA players and the 
you're playing a 3-5-2, the chances are your opponent's going to switch as well to level up the playing field and, and to play a similar formation. We saw it a lot in previous FIFAs um, mm. when sort of Tass were using a 3-5-2, a three-back, or he, he would play against um, a, a player at a tournament and then that player would change instantly to a 3-5-2 to, to balance the playing field straight away. So it's then just skill versus skill rather than a tactical edge either way. The one thing I would add is that it, when it comes to changing tactic, you need to change so that the advantage you're gaining plays to your strength. For example, if you're not good at skill moves and your right winger is gold Adama Traore, who's maybe quick, but he's not very good on the ball, like doing anything with it, and now your advantage is on the wing, say against three five two, are you really gaining an advantage? Because like, is is Adama Traore at right wing going to play or going to beat? Uh, Ferland Mendy playing left center back probably not because that's a left back against a right winger and his player is better than yours so uh, when it comes to gaining a tactical advantage generally I think it's most effective against players who only know how to play against the meta so maybe if you're facing someone who you know you're better than but they scraped a lucky goal and you're just not breaking them down because you're playing 4-2-3-1 and they know how to get defend against 4-2-3-1 and you're good with another formation, that's where I think it's helpful. But I think seeing like 4-4-2 and saying, well, I've heard 4-3-3 is good against that, but I've never played it, and just throwing it on mid-game, it's it's not going to help because you don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> know where those runs are. Your players that are in your team probably aren't suited to that formation because that's not the formation that you normally line up with. So unless you have a very versatile team, you need formations that are similar but you know different to your strengths, not just different period very 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 simply fifa football but especially fifa is is a very very simple game and it's about two things it's about timing and it's about angles and sticking with the same formation helps you to work on both things using different formations can help you have more fun but for fifa football timing and angles that's it mm, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, I think all, you know, really, really good advice. I, I wanted to mention, I suppose, that uh, there have been a lot of questions. It's a classic thing where I'll ask for questions uh, in the Discord and, um, you know, this was recorded at a different time to usual, so there weren't many responses. And then I asked again saying, you know, good chance of getting your question in because um, we haven't had many so far. And then, of course, loads and loads of people um, put questions in and uh, they're all really good. And we haven't got to all of them inevitably. And um, there is one, for example, about um, playing co-op in rivals, which I would like to put to someone who's, you know, played plenty of co-op rivals, um, like Matt, for example, when Matt for trading when he's on. And, you know, there are there are lots of great questions, which I'm sure either you could ask again or we'll bring up um, in a future week. There's actually been a lot to discuss on the content pod and plenty to get into on this gameplay pod. But if, um, you know, you have questions, don't forget to send them in various, various different ways um, to do that. Right. Well, Steve, huge thanks for joining us on this pod. It's been great to have you as it always is. And thanks for responding at relatively short notice to get this pod underway. Yeah, no problem at all. It, it brings back memories of when we... Always used to record at this time, I seem to think, or, or certainly more yeah, often. Yeah, used we to. yeah. did used to normally be Sundays, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's changed a bit. Strangely nostalgic. It's been good. Hey, Steve, um, have a great Christmas as well, because I guess we, in fact, I'm not sure, because we've got the quiz, which you're on, and which is good. People should look out for it, shouldn't they? They should. And that'll be next week. But because I'm taking a bit of time over Christmas, the next 
recorded pod will be in the new year. So I look forward to catching up with you then. Yes. Happy holidays to one and all. Yeah. Have a great Christmas and new year. And of course, in the meantime, where can people catch up with you? I know you're doing plenty of streaming as well at the moment. I am, yeah. Um, forget everything else. I just want to really push the uh, the Twitch stuff at the minute because I'm I'm trying to get from uh, from being an affiliate to a partner, and basically, in order to do that, I need a lot more views. So I would really love it. It would mean a lot to me if people would go over to Twitch, Twitch.tv forward slash the Foot Coach, and if you can hop in a stream and just give me a bit of support for a few minutes, it, it would. It would genuinely mean very much to me. Yeah. In terms of the numbers, what, what do people have to do? Do they watch you? kind of leave it on for as long as possible that kind of thing or what what helps i hope that it would be entertaining enough to capture their attention for, for a sufficient <laughs> well, yeah, amount of, of time ben to be i'm just good. saying you know should they open multiple tabs and uh... <laughs> um I, there probably wouldn't be any harm in doing that but um <laughs> okay. I, I, would, I would very much prefer that they came along and uh hopped in the chat interacted and uh it's it's not the greatest gameplay in the world. I've never professed to being the uh, the greatest player of FIFA. You know, I always emphasise I'm a pro coach, not a pro player. But <laughs> we we have a lot of fun over there. So uh, I, I think people would be well rewarded for for popping over there and having a look. And as I say, it would mean the world to me. So there's that. Yeah, good little Christmas present for you. And uh, Rich was certainly well rewarded when he tuned in to hour five or whatever it was of Volan grind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll leave Richard to answer that. <laughs> well we discussed that in the content pod so we won't go over it again but uh yeah rich uh great to have you on this this podcast it's been great thank you very much and uh happy holidays thanks for having me on and uh hopefully yeah, yeah. back in the new year yeah it's been uh, another great appearance from rich and you can catch rich of course on twitter across the various social medias instagram even which uh, is always a nice uh, a rare plug on this pod for some reason yeah absolutely uh our buckley 98 on Twitter, Instagram, and fb.gg forward slash rbuckland98 on Facebook to watch me live. Great. Yeah, look forward to having you back soon. Have a good Christmas and New Year as well. And Hugh, uh, thanks for making your full debut on the full pod. Great to get your insights on here. And have a great Christmas and New Year too. Yeah, thank you. uh, Definitely a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, and have you got anything to plug? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like. It's the same as my Discord name, h00bear. Hopefully looking into starting up a YouTube channel soon with some gameplay analysis if I get the capture card I requested from Santa Claus. Um, you know, <laughs> TBD on that, but I'll post info in the Patreon uh, Discord if that is the case. Great. Well, thanks, Hugh, for joining us. And thanks, Rich and Steve. You can catch both of them on the content pod along with an SBC guru who talks us through how to craft icons. All of that available along with double the amount of Foot Weekly podcast action over on the Patreon for just £3 a month. You can get it over at bit.ly slash morepod. So that's bit.ly slash morepod. Right, all that's left to say then is a huge thanks to all you listeners for tuning in and to those supporters and icon patrons. Dave B, DJ FIFA player, Coach Vass, Hugh J, Thomas, Alan G, Hunter B, Alistair, Martin M, Jordan, Matt L, Liam B, Harry P, Sam B, Adam G, Neil P, David S, Robbie S, Andrew C, Tom B, Paul S, Stephen F, Eric T, Dominic G, Christopher R, Damon H, Jonathan P, Elliot M, Lee A, Paul, Johan P, Dominic, Rob P, Michael, Brian S, Siler P, James P, Mikael L, Nishant, Anthony R, Also Ran, Jeff B, Stephen M, Roger D, Dan W, Pobius, Sporkum, Bronco, Matt H, Alan M, and Savage P. 
At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Before I leave you, I just wanted to say that, well, FIFA is a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. And if you are having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice and support, or even just a chat available to anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, I'll catch you next time. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Podcast Network.